What Would June Daly Watkins Do acknowledges the traditional owners of the land on which we meet today. We would also like to pay our respects to elders past, present and future. When she would paint all my mum and her sisters, she would say, across the head, think Bimbi, and then under the eyes, only see Bimbi, and then under the mouth, only speak Bimbi, and then across the chest, Bimbi heart. And so Bimbi in Birigaba language means good. So, you know, she would say, think good, see good, only speak good, and have a good heart. Does what we wear really matter? What about taking a call while we're at the checkout? or neglecting to RSVP. In a rude modern world, what would June Daly Watkins do? While the Order of Australia recipient quite literally wrote the book on manners, we're asking what that legacy really means today. Your host, Jody Bashay-McLean, has had the privilege of working with the late June Daly Watkins for over 36 years. Now, Jody is picking up the baton with one key question. Is etiquette dead and buried, or does the modern world need Miss Daly's teachings now more than ever? Today, we're talking with Guyala Bales, model, poet, actor, and Indigenous educator about the issue of respect. Respect for race, for culture, and for our fellow human beings. Well, hello, Guyala. It is such a pleasure to have you here today. And I really do want to say thank you for giving up your time because you are a very, very busy young woman. I am. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. It is all mine. Just so I can paint the picture for our listeners, you are, of course, an accomplished model with Chic Management. Private shout out to Chic Management. (laughs) Not to mention an actor and a poet, but something that really stands out for me personally is your passion for representing the experiences of First Nations people. I've seen you in action and your passion and your drive is something that makes you even more special and you're very special to me because I remember how we came to meet is when you were in a fashion show and I was there with my model agency manager Thomas Sidey and you walked out and it was like everything around you darkened and the the light was on you and you were this almost angelic to me it was a bit of a spiritual experience just watching you and your beaming smile and your confidence and you owned as they say in the biz you owned the catwalk and I just said to Thomas gosh we need to find out if this beautiful woman has an agency because we need to represent her and uh, it sort of happened from there. So Guyala tell us a bit about your life and career as a proud Biri Gubba and Wanarua woman. Yeah so Wanamuliadi Ganya is how you say hello in my language. I'm a Biri Gubba. Can you say that again for me so I can hear it? Wanamuliadi Ganya. What a beautiful language. Yeah, so it's both on my Birigaba and Wanarua side. Um, I'm a proud Birigaba and Wanarua woman. And before I start, I'd just like to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land that we meet and work and do all our business on. And I also like to acknowledge and pay my respects to the elders, both past, present and emerging, as well as acknowledge your ancestors as well. So thank you for having me. It's it's a pleasure. It's always a pleasure yarning with you, Jody. Oh, it's just a pleasure <laughs> to have you here. And thank you, you. for honouring my 
elders as well. I really appreciate that. Always. I always like to acknowledge and pay my respects to all of our elders and our ancestors because without them, we wouldn't be here, you know, doing what we do and knowing the things that we know. It is. It's a wonderful thing. I think all cultures should embrace that. Oh, 100%. I think we should all remember, you know, our, our elders and where we've come from and the ones that who've paved the way. But we sort of also remember to acknowledge the traditional owners and, you know, the First Nations people in the country that we meet and we work on um, because it's been an ancient diplomatic practice and people don't understand that. You know, people think we're just doing it to pay our respects and, yes, it is paying our respects, but this has been something that us blackfellas have been doing for since millennia. Mm. So you're actually, you know, paying respects to the oldest living culture in the world. So I always like to acknowledge that. And I think that having that explanation for me personally I didn't know that. Thank you for that. And I think understanding is is a big part of maybe the overarching topic of what we're going to sort of unpack today about mm-hmm. etiquette and manners yeah. and understanding. So tell me a little bit more about you, about your life and your career, because as I mentioned, you are a model, mm-hmm. an actor and a poet, and there's been some exciting movements in that space of actor. Can you yeah. sort of share with our listeners what's going on in your life? Yeah, so at the moment, um, I've just featured in a movie called Six Festivals, which is pretty exciting. Since I was a little girl, I've always wanted to get into acting and, you know, poetry and modelling. And I always thought to myself, how am I going to do all three? But looking at my life now it kind of all just comes in together it's all embedded together and it all just works out which is really really cool so yeah I'm a model I'm a poet I'm an actress also always standing up for my rights and my people's rights talking about the injustices that my people go through I think that's really important especially with the uh, platform that I do have I always like to pay my respects and acknowledge you know the fact that First Nations people in this country are still being treated disgusting and and I don't like to sugarcoat it you know I always like to acknowledge that because if people don't know then how are we ever going to change this country Mm, it's true and there's that saying you don't know what you don't know exactly and I hope today we can educate some people in a way that they will come away from this and think okay I understand more now and take responsibility in some instances no I think it's so important to have these conversations it's always good to be uncomfortable, being made to feel uncomfortable in situations because then that's where you learn so much. But I admire you, Gala, because the way that you do it is with authenticity and calm assertion. You know, you you are passionate but don't necessarily come in from an angle of being angry first. Mm-hmm. You you are assertive, yeah. but you explain. And then, you know, emotions can come into it sometimes, I'm, I'm sure. Oh, it took me a long time to get here. Don't you worry. I was a very angry young girl, you know, growing up in school. I'd always used to get very, very racist comments like, oh, you don't look Aboriginal. And then I would get from oh a lot goodness. of people, oh, but you're black, you know, you're a coon disgusting comments you know growing up so I think having that when I was a young girl just knowing where I've come from and knowing how I used to be treated it kind of made me realize how to handle a situation like that because when I was young you know just obviously I was very emotional and I'd get angry I'd start fights I was always in detention I was always getting into trouble but then growing up I started to realize maybe that's not the best way to handle that (laughs) that's interesting really interesting I am asking all of our guests to share with us a quote or a saying that means something to them. 
And yours is, I'm so intrigued by it, and it, in essence, it sounds quite beautiful, the words. Would you share that with us? Yeah, so this has been passed down from my mother and it was handed to her from her grandmother, um, my great-grandmother Maureen Watson, who I always loved to pay acknowledge and respect her because I wouldn't be the woman I am today if it wasn't for her. And when she would paint all my mum and her sisters, she would say, across the head, think Bimbi, and then under the eyes, only see Bimbi, and then under the mouth, only speak Bimbi, and then across the chest, Bimbi heart. And so Bimbi in Birigaba language means good. So, you know, she would say, think good, see good, only speak good and have a good heart. Otherwise, you know, you can't, once you say something, you can't take those words back. Once you think a negative thought, you can't take that back. Once you see the bad in someone, you can't not see a good in someone. So, you know, she always reminded us and my mum always reminds us, make sure you're always thinking good, make sure you see the good, make sure you speak good, make sure you have a good heart because it always comes back to you, you know. So I always like to keep that in mind whenever I do anything or wherever I'm going to places to always make sure that I'm doing the right thing and, you know, thinking good and seeing good and speaking good and having a good heart. Well, I think that's absolutely beautiful. Thank it you. It really is. And uh, can you just say it one more time for me? Yeah. <laughs> Think Bimbi, see Bimbi, speak Bimbi and Bimbi heart. Mm, it's beautiful. I know you're an accomplished poet. Is there a, a poem that you have written about Bimbi? I do, yes. There's a Bimbi poem called uh, just Bimbi, <laughs> just straight Bimbi. It's called the Bimbi poem and it just talks about a little bit about my life and what it was like growing up and how I've now become the woman I am today because of what I've gotten taught. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah. I've seen you in action actually at, uh, I think it was at Logan Griffith where you were speaking to a group of, of wonderful young girls and boys and um, the message, what was the message originally in that moment that you wanted to share with them? Because they were hanging on to every word. I even noticed at the end a few approached you in, yeah. in a very, they were very shy. They looked upon you as if you were showing them there was a way, there was yeah. a way to be whatever you want to be in this world. And that's exactly the message I wanted to show them is that, you know, no matter what background you come from, no matter how hard you think you have it or the circumstances you may be in, there's always a way, there's always a possibility. And I think, you know, as a young girl growing up, the way that I did and growing up in a very low social economic area with a lot of deaths in custody involved, with a lot of drugs and alcohol, pretty much they call it the ghetto and that was the life for me. And growing up in, you know, Anala, Acacia Ridge and then in Sydney, Redfern, Waterloo, seeing that growing up, you think, oh, that's normal. And so I just wanted to bring a message into these young kids because obviously they come from the same background as me and they come from the same suburbs as me because they went to the same school as me. So I just wanted to share the message that, hey, you know what, even though these things happen to us and even though these things, you know, they're not that great, we can still draw strength from, you know, our, our people, our ancestors, our country, our culture, and we can still make light out of dark. Hmm. I grew up in Acacia Ridge. Did you? Oh, man, I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh, my God. And I think that's the, you know, that's a nice segue to sort of talk about this overarching discussion around mm -hmm. manners and etiquette that some people believe that your background determines your outcome. Oh, yeah. And I went to Watson Road Primary School. Did you? Do you know Watson yes. Road? Yes. Oh, and my goodness. So we make our future. Yeah. We, we are in control of our destiny, aren't we? And, and I wonder sometimes, do you feel that there is 
some people into boxes and marginalise them and say, this is how your life is going to be. Yeah. Uh, do you think you're an example of, well, that's not true, you can achieve your dreams and your goals? Definitely. You know, I think as a young First Nations woman growing up in this country and a lot of young First Nations people, we get put into a box and we get told that we can't do that because of who we are. We can't do these things because where we are or where we come from. But it's not about that. It's about how much passion we have. It's about how much strength we're willing to give ourselves, how much compassion that we have so that we can continue and make our ancestors proud and make our people proud and fight for what's right. And I think doing that and doing what's right for you and making sure that you're following your dreams and you're not letting anyone tell you that you can't do that, Mm -hmm. then you're pretty much living in your ancestors' dreams. And so I think that's so special, you know, do what you can do so that you can then motivate and inspire others, but also continue on the legacy that our ancestors passed down. And I think you are doing that. I refer back to that lecture at Griffith and you were talking about how you achieved your goals that you journal, Mm -hmm. you visualise, you meditate and you were talking about your career to date in the model industry and, and at that time you were shooting the movie, I think. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't really tell them too much about it. And the mood in the audience and some of the, these young people were really shy mm-hmm. and, and culturally yeah. I think that perhaps also added to that but they were listening and I, I realised that you have an incredible message for First Nations people, especially the youth, when this beautiful little girl went up and it was almost like she was tugging on your coat. She was chatting to you and I said to you, what did she say? And what was it that she said to you? Do you remember? Yeah, she said, when I grow up, I want to be like you. I want to be a model. It's making me emotional (laughs) now because... You know, that that was beautiful. Growing up, yeah, growing up, I would see a lot of... You're making me cry yeah. now. <laughs> you know, that, that's all I ever wanted because as a little girl, I, I didn't really see a lot of Aboriginal models or doing the things, you know, that I wanted to do. And so I wanted to be that person. I wanted to be that inspiration to someone, you know, that were in the same similar conditions as me. So, you know, it made me, it made me tear up and I felt really proud and I felt really happy that she came up to me and she said that and that just makes me feel like I am doing my job. I am doing what my ancestors want me to do. That's wonderful. And I hope she does. I hope I get a phone call one day and she wants to come in and and have a chat to us because it's interesting. And that's a great segue into the fact of the Australian model industry and and how, I guess, the movement that changed all of that. So I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on how did you feel when all of a sudden it was popular to book models that weren't the quintessential Australian, which was depicted as the blonde hair, blue eyes. Yeah, I remember like growing up, that was the Mm. look, you know, and and it still is kind of the look here in Australia when people think, oh, what does an Australian model look like? They think straight away, oh, that beach babe, the blonde hair, the Mm. blue eyes, and which is gorgeous. Don't get me wrong. I love that beautiful look, but I feel like it's taking away from the original traditional people of this country, and that is Aboriginal people. So I feel like why are we not, embracing that. Why aren't we showing that? And I remember getting into the modelling industry, I would always get told that I couldn't be a model. I'd always get told, well, maybe you should identify as being an, an islander or maybe you should identify as being something else. I didn't know else. that. Yeah. I didn't know that. I always got told maybe you shouldn't identify as being Aboriginal so that you could get more work. And then they would say, I'd get comments like, oh, but you're too pretty to be Aboriginal. Just say that you're not. Oh so my that goodness. you can get work. And that was for a good three years of my modelling career. When I first started in the modelling industry, I'd get 
comments like that, racist comments like that. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, I'd say, but I'm proud of who I am. I'm never going to Mm -hmm. not say that I'm not Aboriginal, you know, growing up in a very politically active family. Why would I ever want to disrespect them and disrespect myself and my ancestors? And then they would say (laughs) things like, oh, but what percentage are you? What? Because you're not full blood. Things like oh that. And, you know, unfortunately, I still get a couple of comments like, oh, you're, you're not Aboriginal. You're too pretty to be Aboriginal. And it's almost like they don't get like they're offending me. Yeah, you know? they don't It's, it's almost like a compliment. And it's like you do realise that you're saying my people are ugly, you know, and it's very offensive and people think it's a compliment. But, you know, growing up and seeing that there wasn't a lot of Aboriginal people in that industry, I thought, you know what, I'm going to do that. I'm going to change that industry and I'm going to tell these people and I'm going to show these people that we are beautiful and we come in different sizes, we come in different colours, we come in different shapes and you can't tell us that we're not beautiful because we are. As soon as I hopped into the modelling industry, I got a lot of knockbacks. I got a lot of people telling me that I wasn't good enough. Um, I had a lot of people pretty much declining my offer to be signed. So I'd, I'd send in my portfolio and they'd be like, oh, sorry, we really like to decline. I'm yeah. so glad we yeah. found you. <laughs> but do you know something I distinctly remember when you came in? Because we didn't know your name. We had to sort of, we did a bit of stalking. I'll, yeah. I'll tell the truth. <laughs> And we were told your name is Lala. Yeah. And I thought, oh, that's a beautiful name. And you came in to meet us and then you said, my name is actually Gayala. Yes. My grandfather always said, you know, your short name is Lala. You know, Mm. people Mm. always call me Lala around school. But he said, Mm. always when you introduce yourself, you say Gayala. That is your name. That is your Aboriginal name. And always pay respects to your people you know that's who you are yeah that's what we named you yes (laughs) always gotta say that always gonna say Mm. my name's Gayala and I'm still learning now you know Mm. to this day people are saying oh can we just call you Lala because you know Gayala's too hard to pronounce you have to learn and I'm like no that's Mm. my name like call me Gayala call me by my first name please (laughs) well I'd like to sort of take this conversation a little bit further I, I want to ask you for an education Mm-hmm. I sometimes make mistakes and if throughout the next few moments that we're chatting, the next, you know, 20 minutes or so, if I'd say something that grits your teeth, I'd like you to tell me that what I have said is incorrect and correct me. So I'm giving you free reign. So I'm going <laughs> so to ask you some questions because yeah. I think our listeners, in most cases, we don't know what we don't know. Exactly. And perhaps by asking these questions, the next time a conversation arises, we learn to say something that's not offensive, that we think we may be coming from a, a place of curiosity yeah. and uh, unwillingly, well, in my case, unwillingly, I have offended and that wasn't my intention. Mm-hmm. So I want you to be free and and. Tell me how it is as I go through these questions with you. So is, that, no is it okay? Is that oh, a deal? Don't you worry, I will. <laughs> oh, I'm not worried. I know you will. Okay, so to that end, can I ask, is it correct to say you are an Indigenous woman or do you prefer being referred to as an Aboriginal woman? And what, in your words, is the difference? When people say Aboriginal or when people say Indigenous, they could be referring to not just a person, they could be referring to as also a plant. Okay, so, so an me, indigenous plant of yeah, the area. Yeah, they, they could say, oh, that plant is indigenous to this place. But it's also common word used all around the world for indigenous people. So it's a collective in a way. Exactly. And so as an Aboriginal woman, I feel more comfortable being known as a Birigaba and one a rural woman because, you know, I go to another country and I say I'm Aboriginal. They'll be like, oh, well, hold up. No, you're not because I am. You know what I mean? Ah, so I feel like it's, okay. it's, it's a general term. It's a general term that's being used for 
most First Nations people around the world. So to say that I'm an Aboriginal woman could mean that I could be from around anywhere in this world, but it could also mean that I could be a plant and I don't want to be, you know what I mean? I I don't want to be known as just that generic term. I'd like to be called by my tribal names. I'd like to respect and acknowledge my people, which is Birigaba and Wanneroo Nations. So when anyone asks me, and every Aboriginal person is different, everyone's, I can't speak for all First Nations people, but for me personally, I'd like to be known as a First Nations or Birigaba and Wanneroo woman. Okay. Wow. Thank you. That that has taught me so much. So thank you. Most people don't know that. Most people don't know that the word Aboriginal term is used all around the world. Yes. And I think too, in that introduction, the reason you're saying who you are, Mm -hmm. the Birigaba Wanarua woman, that's who you are. Exactly. I'm not just a generic term and we're not just generic people. And and I think it is respectful Mm -hmm. and kind. And when we talk about etiquette and manners, it's about respect and kindness that we refer to you who you are because you are sharing that with us Mm -hmm. and that shows respect. Exactly. By referring to that. Yeah, and I think it's also important for people to ask and not assume, you know. Mm -hmm. I I feel like Mm -hmm. a lot of people get quite intimidated by asking that kind of question or asking any kind of question to a lot of my people and it's just like, well, if you don't know, ask. Well, Just make sure you ask. Well, that's one of my questions. Yeah. So is it okay to say to you, where are you from? Mm-hmm. Or probe into someone's cultural background, unbeknowing. So I know I've seen your TikTok and there's questions like, oh, but you're not full Aboriginal, as you mm-hmm. said before, or you're too pretty to be yeah. Aboriginal. Is it rude to ask? And I think you've probably answered this question. So rather than assume, what would be the correct thing to say? Where are you from? Mm -hmm. What nationality are you? What do you believe is not offensive and would be something that you would be quite happy for someone to ask you? Like personally for me, I think it's fine for anyone to ask, oh, where are you from? You know, but when it starts to get into the kind of questions like, oh, what nationality are you? Uh, When we've just met. It's very personal. Well, you're you Australian. Know? Yeah, so it's, it's 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 quite personal when mm. you first meet someone, and you know straight away they are more focused on what your nationality is mm. and not who you are as a person. You mm. know, I'm a human before I'm any of these things. Yes, it kind of makes you wonder what's going through your head because if I do tell you that I am Aboriginal, you then have assumptions or you then have ideas of what an Aboriginal person is. Yes, so it is quite personal, but I don't mind when people say, "Oh, you know." Where are you from? Because then I get into that. It's it's kind of more of a respectful way of asking. I'd me like who to know more. Mm, yeah. I'd like to know more about you. And it's it's interesting. You make a really valid point. If you don't match my perception of an Australian, then I'm going to say to you, "What's your nationality?" And you're right. How is that relevant? Exactly to yeah. anything that we're, we're about just to... meeting. Like you don't what? even know my name yet, and no. you're asking me what nationality I am. Mm-hmm. It's quite personal. It is, and it's offensive. It is. It's very offensive because they already have ideas in their heads. Like, oh, you're, you're supposed to be like this then, and your people do these things, and it's just like we're all different. And I'm thinking for a moment: two white people meet one another, and at no point in that conversation is where are you from? Exactly. Because mm. they already have the assumption of that particular race. You mm. know, they don't need to say anything because mm. they already think they know. Mm. Here's my next question, and you mentioned it before, your mob. Mm. Is it okay for a white person to say, who is your mob? And if not, what should we say? I have to think about this question because I know a lot of my aunties are always <laughs> in the back of my mind, like, no, you say this, say that. Yeah, I think 
when a white fella asks, you know, who's your mob, I personally don't get offended, but I know that some other black fellas might get offended mm. and that's okay, you know, that's them. But personally for me, someone asking me who my mob is, I'm like, oh, wow, you know, that's awesome that yes. you want to know who my mob is because yes. you are on our country and I like the fact that you're going out of your way to actually respect who I am and where my mobs come from. So personally, I think there's nothing wrong with that. If you want to know where my mob is from, I'm happy to tell you. <laughs> Tell the story. Yeah. Okay. Now, you mentioned your aunties Mm -hmm. and you do refer to them a lot. And I know throughout our relationship that we've been your managers, that there have been decisions that you don't make yourself. You Mm -hmm. refer to the elders and, and your aunties about whether or not the decision that you make. So... Can I ask, as a a non-Aboriginal person, am Mm -hmm. I able to call them, refer to them as auntie? I think you should always ask first. Yeah, so it just reminded me, my auntie Lilla Watson, um, who was a beautiful teacher, she taught us about the childbearing practices in our culture. When we raise our children, we always tell them, if you don't know anything or if you want to find out, ask the question. But I feel like in a lot of it's very common in non-indigenous people that when you're raised as a child you say don't ask those questions because it's rude yes you know we grow up thinking oh we shouldn't interrupt our elders or we shouldn't interrupt anyone older than us but in my culture we always make sure that our children know that it's okay to interrupt when elders are speaking and to always ask those questions otherwise they're never going to know so we always give them that freedom to be who they are and to know what they need to know so I feel like growing up that then made me feel like okay so then I'm going to find out everything that I need to know Mm -hmm. for me and my family it's always respectful especially when a non-indigenous person comes into my family I always tell them make sure you say auntie Mm -hmm. don't call them by their name Mm -hmm. so it just depends on that aboriginal family or that community but I think it's always respectful just to ask them you know do you want to be called auntie or uncle or by your name okay okay can I use the term blackfella? A white fella? Yeah, I I think in this country, you know, like I know a lot of people might think it's a racist or Mm. they might get insulted. But, you know, me and my community, my people, that's how we refer to the races. That's how we refer to, you know, white fellas and black fellas. But to us, it's not racist. But I know that when I do say that sometimes to a couple of white people, they go, why are you calling me that? You know what I mean? And it's just like, well, hold up. I'm not trying to be racist. First of all, why are you getting offended? Because let's be honest here, my people have been here for more than a thousand years and this place has been colonised for over 250 years. We've been having to put up with this racism for over 250 years. Why are you getting offended Mm. when I am just saying you're a white fella, I'm a black fella. You know, it's, it's just, it's very general. It's not, it's And it's okay to for do. me to call you a black fella? Yeah, I think it's okay I to think say, it's oh, a you term, a black fella, a white fella? Well, I've seen, I've, I've, we've had lots of meetings with some remarkable women. Yeah. And you, in these meetings, you refer to one another as black fella or you yeah. talk about someone uh, that you know. And I've always noticed that it's it's almost like a term of endearment. Mm. It's a it's a term that you use as part of the community and it's yeah. not used in a an offensive way. It's, no. It, it's collective and it's belonging and, exactly. and it's so when you say white fella I kind of feel that I'm you're allowing me to be part of your community and, and that's, I, yeah mm. that's that's all that my people have wanted you know we've always wanted to make sure that everyone feels comfortable and like confident in 
spaces and we always make sure that everyone's right, everyone's got some tea or whatever or some biscuits and all of our elders are being looked after first. So I think when we say black fella, white fella, it's got nothing to do with racism, you know. It's, it's got it's, nothing it's, to do with colour really, no, does it? No, it's got nothing no. to do with colour at all. Mm. It's it's trying to belong. It's making sure that you feel included and that's, that's what my people have always been about. Tell us about some of the stereotypes you have come across as an Aboriginal Indigenous woman and their impact on you and your people and oh, the people man. you care about, more importantly. It is endless, you know, endless? and still to this day, it's especially on social media. I think really? ever since TikTok has come out, it is disgusting the kind of comments that I get on my videos, on anything that I post, and even even today, even really, still to this I'm day, I'm so sorry for it's that. It's disgusting. Oh, you can't say sorry though. It's not. It's not you. Oh, you know what I mean? I know it's like, not. But I, I no. I, let me rephrase that. I'm sorry that happens to you. Yeah, yeah. I am. That's just. I know. It's. Shocking. You know, I thought. I thought it would. As a young child growing up, I didn't think at this age, I'd still be having to go through the same things. And to be honest, it's getting worse. It's not getting any better. A lot of white fellas ask me, oh, do you think racism is getting better in this country? And then they'll make the comment saying, I think it is. But it's like, but hold up, you haven't been on that end of the stick, you know? No, what they're, you... they're answering the question from their yeah, perspective, you're, you're not answering... yours. Exactly. And so it's like, okay, but for me, I've grown up being called bung, coon, just disgusting, you know, disgusting comments. And even nigger, I've been called all these disgusting racist words. And ever since I was a child and still up till this day, even on social media, I always get the comment, you're a boong, you know, you get out of our country. This is not your country. I say, people ask me, people tell me, go back to where you come from. <laughs> and I'm like, hold up, you go back to where you've come from. Where have your ancestors come from? Because I can guarantee they haven't come from here. Mm. So it's, it's really horrible. But, you know, I think if we do, want to see change and I think if we do want this country to be better in terms of discrimination and racism then it starts in schools we need to teach our young ones how to talk to people respectfully not even to different races we need to teach them basic respect and that's teaching them that it's not okay to call someone a racist word because mm. it's taught you know what I mean this is why it's this learned, country, yeah, isn't it? it's it's learned. Not, we're not born thinking okay these are the words I'm going to use exactly it's it's taught in this country and I think people in this country they really carry on those teachings which is disgusting and it's kind of like okay well now we need to talk about what happened back then we need to bring up the truth because then we can't bring up what's happening now you know what I mean like if we're going to teach it in schools then we need to start from the very very bottom the very very bottom of what happened pre-colonization colonization up until now because that's why all these problems keep continuing because we haven't really addressed the issues from what's happened now the generations to come hopefully will be the change that we need to see. So to improve and learn how to be more respectful, you've suggested education. Mm -hmm. What are other things that can be done, do you think? That's a good question. Perhaps. I think well, I, something that I, in my industry, mm -hmm. is to see a presence more of diversity yeah. on our screens. And, and mm -hmm. I, I remember and reading some of your posts over the last 12 months that you're an advocate and you have no, uh, you say what you think and you believe and you honour yourself and you honour your ancestors. And you would make comments like, well, don't just use me, that a bit with us. Mm -hmm. how, how is, have you felt there's been a push to, oh, quick, we better change the landscape of our brand yeah. and share with us? Because I know you're, you're almost like a mini model agency. You're yeah. always promoting <laughs> others. Yeah you know, your brothers and sisters, so to speak, and and I love that about you. So to unpack that a bit more, how you 
felt in this industry that you've been in? Yeah, so just after BLM, it's really sad to say. It's a really horrible situation that happened and it's very unfortunate that it happened overseas, but it's just really sad the fact that a black man had to die overseas for people to realise that we aren't getting the opportunities that we deserve and we're not getting recognised, but nothing's also changing in this country, you know. Deaths in custody for us blackfellas have been happening since colonisation and it's continuing. It's not getting any better, it's getting worse. And even since BLM, it keeps on getting worse. Ever since BLM, I feel like it's increased, like you wouldn't believe, but it's not being shown. And so after BLM, then I started to get all these calls or these messages or these emails. We'd love you to represent our brand. We'd like to work with you. And it's like, okay, but why do you want to work with me? Because if you want to tick the box of including me just so that you look like your own diverse brand or that you care about representation, then I don't want to be about that. If you want to create real change in this industry and this country, then I'm happy to work with you. If you're genuine, then I'm happy to work with you. But if you're not, I don't want to work with you. So it's, and it always happens, particularly around NAIDOC week, Reconciliation week, all these significant weeks and days for my mob, it's always, oh, we'd love to work with you now. But what about in between? What about before or after NAIDOC week? Do I not matter? I only matter on these weeks? Like, that's really offensive. It's very insulting to think that I only matter during these weeks. Like, I'm just like, yeah, I've got to pay my bills. So it's really horrible to think that people only want to work with you just to show their audience or their customers that they're diverse, when really they're, they're not. They're profiting off my skin. Would you like them just to book you because you're gorgeous and you're a great model? Exactly. I'd I'd like them to book me because of what you do. Yeah, because of what I do, not because of my colour. You know, before before my colour, I'm a human being and I'd like to be respected as a human being first and I'd like to be respected in the work that I do. So if you want to book me, book me because I'm a professional working model, not because of my colour. That's rubbish. (laughs) Well said. Absolutely well said. I think that when we talk about etiquette and manners and as I said essentially it means being kind Mm -hmm. and considerate we need to do more of that Mm -hmm. across many aspects of our lives and how we interact with people but if there was one thing one change that we could make in relation to respectful behavior of the things that you've experienced Mm -hmm. what would be the message that you would send out? I think if people start to understand the forced assimilation and oppression that people happen to be in, then I think the world would be a better place. If people understand why my people are being discriminated against or why there's so much systemic racism going on and why my people are, you know, being murdered by the hands of police officers and no one's getting charged, we're not getting justice. If people understand why this is happening and take the time out of their day to educate themselves. And ask questions. And ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid that you're going to insult someone because nine times out of ten, if you don't ask those questions and you end up saying something, we're going to be insulted because you have no idea what you're talking about. So I think if people just start to understand people's forced assimilations and oppressions, then I think, yeah, it will be okay. Mm. But, you know, we've got a long, long way to go. (laughs) We do. And you're a very wise woman, all of 22? Yeah, 23 in September. (laughs) I know. My goodness. Well, Gaila, I'm going to ask a favour. A (laughs) favour or a, um, what is it that I'm asking? What I'm asking is, is there anything that you would like to share? Something that has been passed down to you from an elder Mm -hmm. with our listeners that may help in understanding 
the way that we treat one another and our behaviours. And I know it's personal to share this, mm-hmm. but I do ask with great favour if you would share that to perhaps help with understanding our discussion today. Yeah. So um, my great-grandmother, she would always remind anyone who she spoke with or presented her work with or anyone she would talk to, they were like, growing up watching her, I always admired her because the way that she would walk into the room and everyone, all the eyes would be on her and everyone was just so in awe of my great-grandmother and growing up, I always thought to myself, I want to be like that, you know, I want to walk into a room and everyone look at me and and smile and, and want to come and talk to me and yarn. And a very important message that she left behind was, what kind of ancestor will you be? Will you be an ancestor where the future generations aren't going to be inspired by or they're not going to learn from the things that you did or you have nothing to give back to your people or, you know, your the future generations? Or are you going to be that kind of ancestor that's going to change the way that people see the world, that people see this country? Are you going to be the ancestor where people want to make better decisions or people want to be more respectful? And so that's something that I always keep in my head is what kind of ancestor will you be? Are you making your ancestors proud? Are you continuing on that legacy that your ancestors left behind? So I think that's a very important message that my great-grandmother always shared is what kind of ancestor will you be and be the best one that you can be. (laughs) Absolutely. And I think, would it be fair to say that your great-grandmother was one of your role models growing up? 100%. I definitely wouldn't be in the line of work, wouldn't be doing the things that I do if it wasn't for her. She definitely started that fire in my belly to continue on what she did. I've been there. When you walk into a room, everyone turns and looks and it's that glow, that sparkle you have. So perhaps she's very much there. Oh, yes. She's always here with me. Can you add to the role models growing up? Would you like to share with our listeners who else was a role model? Yeah, definitely. So obviously my great-grandmother Maureen Watson, my auntie Lilla Watson, who was her sister, my grandfather Tiger Bales, my mum Yarika Bales. There's so many in my family, I think. Collectively, my whole family, they've inspired me and really motivated me and supported me to continue on doing what I do and making sure that I'm happy. And so, yeah, I'm very grateful to be in this family and to have them inspire me and motivate me no matter what. They always said, like, you do what you need to do for you. Whatever makes you happy, make sure you work for it. Never give up. And if you keep on failing, just try again So because, you know, practice makes perfect and you'll get there one day. So I'm very grateful for that. Gala, you're only 22 and, <laughs> and you are so eloquent. You've achieved so much already. What does the next five years have in store, do you think? I think the next five years, and oh, I've been keeping this in my head for a while now, is international. I definitely want to go international. For a lot of black fellas in this country, a lot of First Nations people, unfortunately we don't get that opportunity to take our work international and that's what I want to do. I want to break those chains. I want to break the chains of oppression and take my career international and be able to educate people anywhere in this world about you know who we are as people and why I do what I do. So yeah, definitely want to go international with modelling, poetry, acting, Whatever it is, I'm taking it out. (laughs) So watch this space. (laughs) Watch out. (laughs) Gala, would you be able to share that beautiful quote again from your grandmother Mm -hmm. in your language? Yeah, I'd love to. You know, and obviously Bimbi is Birigaba language and I'd love to 
speak fluently how to say, you know, think Bimbi, see Bimbi and speak Bimbi and Bimbi heart. But unfortunately, because of colonization, a lot of my people don't know how to speak their language. You know, we only know certain words like good, bad, body parts, hello, goodbye, just little things here and there, which is really unfortunate. But, you know, I am doing what I can to try and revitalize our language and to learn wherever I can. But unfortunately, because most of my elders have passed away, I don't have that first-hand knowledge of being passed down language. So I'm having to learn. And a lot of us young blackfellas are having to learn this by ourselves. So I wish I could. But for now, I'll just leave it with think Bimbi, see Bimbi, speak Bimbi and Bimbi heart. Thank you, Guyana. Gala, it's been an absolute pleasure, as it always is, to chat with you. And as I said from the outset, manners are fundamentally about respect and care for other people. Mm -hmm. It's all about compassion, really, isn't it? Definitely. I thank you and I appreciate your time today and I really appreciate the wise words and that little bit of education I can take away from uh, chatting with you and I hope to get to do this again with you in the future. I'm sure we will. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for joining us on What Would June Daly Watkins Do? Don't forget to subscribe to the show on your favourite podcast app so you'll never miss an episode.